It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Shep Hyken, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Shep, this is, uh, well, you're very welcome. This is a long time coming for me because Patricia Fripp uh, included your name in a list, a long list of amazing ah. speakers that I've been so fortunate and blessed to be uh, imparted upon over the last 18 months. And so I'm very excited to have you on the show. And it's at a time, really, I think that's more important than ever to focus on the art that is customer service and through my learnings from what I've learned from you and people like Scott McCain, you've totally transformed the way that I go about life. But for people that don't know what I'm talking about, what's a really brilliant way of describing what it is that you do? Sure. So if you and I were sitting next to each other on an airplane and you said, Shep, what do you do for a living? I would ask you a question. And that question is, have you ever walked away from a business Maybe you were talking to the people, or maybe you just had a great experience. Wow, that was amazing. Um, you know, it, that's the kind of experience that I want you to have. Have you ever had that experience before? I have. That's good. You're you're nodding your head yes for the audio interview. That's <laughs> I know there's some video here too. <laughs> but they, that that's and, and that's what I help my clients achieve. I help them create amazing experiences for their customers. And if we were to talk about like, you know, was it a restaurant? Was it like, because you love Amazon, are you a vendor or, or uh, dealing with a vendor in a manufacturing business and you love their inside sales rep? What we do is we work with our clients to create the culture behind the service. We train their people to deliver the service. I'm hired to do keynote speeches about it. And I've written a bunch of books and articles about it as well. So that's what I do for a living. It's a pretty good synopsis. And I think uh, you're well, correct me if I'm wrong, you write books at such a prolific pace that it wouldn't shock me if you had another one out, but I'll be back is your that's most the recent. That's came, that came out maybe six months ago. And uh, for the, it's available everywhere that good books are sold. And I was very pleased to hear that uh, someone who's clearly your friend and another fellow Hall of Fame speaker, Scott McCain, did the voiceover yeah, for the- he, was, uh, he did the voiceover on my video trailer for the book. And Man, I think I spent more on that video than I did on the profit of the book. But it was fun. <laughs> Seriously, it was fun to put that together. It was a good time. And Jeff, where did this passion for customer service boil in from? Well, I think if you go back to the time when I was just a little boy, age 12, I, I and actually even go back earlier than that, I worked at a drugstore, my grandfather's drugstore when I was like eight, nine summer jobs. It was great to work with grandpa. I just love taking care of people. Age 12, I started my first business, a birthday party magic show business where I would entertain little screaming kids. 
And my parents taught me the right way to take care of my clients that would, you know, make them want to come back and hire me again, would make me uh, make them want to refer the people that they're friends with so I could perform for their kids' birthday parties. And I did that by writing thank you notes, following up, asking, hey, what did you like about the show, learning what was good in the show and figuring out ways to get rid of what people didn't talk about. Um, I worked, uh, they had a number of different jobs through high school and summer jobs, but a very important job I had in college, I went, I got into the oil business, which meant I pumped gas. And I did that uh, on the weekends. And on the weekdays, I actually worked in the oil company's accounting department. But on the weekends, I would go out and it was a very, very cold day. And I helped an elderly woman pump her gas. Now we were a self-serve gasoline station and like most stations are today. Um, so when my manager saw me helping this woman, he got upset with me and I couldn't understand why this is, a, it was the coldest day of the year. And this was probably an 80 some odd year old frail woman who I'd seen before in, in the, in the station. And, and my manager said, well, now she's going to expect that the next time she comes back. And I said, well, ideally she'll come back here instead of the station across the street or the one on the opposite corner. And he got mad at me and he, he walked out and slammed the door. And I thought, well, I, I, I knew what I was doing was right. And the next time I had an opportunity to help somebody pump their gas, I did it regardless of what he was thinking. And I just felt that's the right thing to do. Two lessons there as I reflect back on that. Number one, there are people like me that are interested in, you know, maybe they're good salespeople, good customer service people, good frontliners, ambassadors for the company. You can find people like me everywhere. Then there's people the opposite of me who would rather never see a person and be in the back room working in the accounting department. That's fine too. There's nothing wrong with those people, nothing wrong with what I do. It's just recognized personalities are better suited for some jobs than others. Mine is a customer service type of person. The other thing I learned is that even if you have a manager who you call the boss, a leader, even an owner or CEO of a company, they don't necessarily get the people side. They don't get the customer service side. I'm asked all the time, how do you sell to the C-suite? Especially we have a, a client's customer service. Uh, they're a large company, but their, their head of customer support and service is asking me, I've got this great idea. It's a software program. It's going to revolutionize our service to our customers. I can't get the C-suite to buy in on it. How do I do that? Because the C-suite, they want the customer to be happy, but more important for them is they want the numbers to be right. So um, you get motivated to sell them by the numbers, which if they love the numbers, then they'll, they'll buy into what the solution is. I know I'm going uh, on a little bit of a different tact here, but that's kind of what gets me fired up is helping companies do great things. That's my motivation. That's where it comes from way back when I was a kid. And here I am today, almost 40 years into my business and I'm still loving it. Still loving it. Figure I got another 10, 15 years to go, maybe 20. I'm not going to make my wife happy, but that'll uh, make me. <laughs> well, I reckon if you hang around, <laughs> you hang around me long enough, shit, we'll get you, we'll get a good another 50, 60 years out of you. Good, uh, good. And I got to say, like ever since being impacted by people like you and Scott McCain and and Bob Berg and John David Mann from the Go Giver book series, it's really right. transformed the way that I that I exist. And and I'm guessing, and you sort of touched on this a little bit. I think I really love when I get an opportunity to help uh, a shop owner or a business owner, and 
I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a, a shopping um, supermarket chain called Fry's. I know you Fry's. Know, you know Fry's. So th- yep. I think they're mainly on the west coast of uh, North America. I think they've still got 100 and something thousand employees. And I was uh, I was shopping in there when I was in Arizona a few months ago. And there was a Down syndrome, young Down syndrome boy who was packing groceries and he was doing a great job. And, and I, it wasn't that I was feeling sorry for him at all. He was doing a great job. And I, and I wanted, I went to tip him. And the gentleman at the cash register said, I'm sorry, sir, we're not able to accept tips. And I said, what? Like everyone accept, accepts tips in this country. What's, what's going on there? Do you know what the reason? He said, oh, it's just policy. And I said, let me find out. And I had heard over the intercom a pre-recorded message from Monica Garnes, who's the president of Fry's. And I'm very resourceful, Chef. And I got her phone number and I called her later that day. <laughs> and I rang her up and I said, it's uh, Laban Ditchburn from Phoenix, Arizona, via New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand. Uh, how would you like to co-create a miracle with me? And she said, well, I love miracles. So what did you have in mind? And I, and I proceeded to tell her my experience of not being able to tip this guy. And, and she said that Laban, it was written into policy like 30, 40 years ago, and they just had never, they never changed it. And the next question I asked her was, how's your recruitment going for staff at the moment? And she said, oh, my goodness, it's in the toilet like everything else. And, and my background prior to this was in, in technology recruitment. So I've got some really good insight about what keeps staff engaged. And, and as I've heard you talk about, it's not, it's not the money that keeps people there. It's feeling valued. Why is that so important? Well, I mean, and, and you know, you're, you, the idea behind the tipping is an interesting concept. Uh, by the way, the other day I went to the uh, counter uh, at the uh, hockey game. I went to the hockey game here in St. Louis, St. Louis Blues, go Blues. And all I wanted was a bottle of water. They had a special dollar. Bottle of water is a dollar. And they don't accept cash. So everything's credit card payment or Apple Pay or, or using your phone. And she goes, now will you sign? I go, sign? I never signed for a dollar. And then it said, do you want to leave a 20% tip? <laughs> I go, 20 cents. Oh, that's going to make your day. But I thought we've got a tip for everything. You know, is that right? I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Um, your your question uh, is uh, again. I want to get get back to the heart of the question. It was it was uh, why is it that it's uh, feeling valued is so important? Well, feel value is so important. So I got a friend Tim Durkin down in Dallas, Texas, and I wrote an article about his idea that the three ends uh, employees want to feel needed, and they want to feel. Uh, so you needed something and known needed. Anyway, it's three ends. Then the known part, it sounds like an end, but it's not needed, noticed and known. And so uh, you've got to make people feel needed. You've got to let them know they're doing a great job. And, you, you know, um, it's like, that's, that's the idea. You got to make an employee feel fulfilled. I wrote a book, the amazement revolution, and there's a chapter in there called serious fun. But fun is not like a party fun. Fun is like the acronym F-U-N. Stands for fulfillment, uniqueness, and next. We want to create an experience that fulfills employees, makes them, you know, uh, get, exploits them for the unique opportunities. That's the U. And then are they excited about what's next? So Brian Keeley, the president and CEO of Baptist Health South, which is a healthcare system in Southern Florida, I believe he's getting ready to retire this year. He came up with this idea of destination employment. And in order to make that happen, the employee has to feel fulfilled. 
And he felt if he can exploit them for unique talent that they might bring to the table, maybe they speak a language. So maybe there's some, you know, patients in the hospital and their families that we now have somebody in the hospital that can communicate with them that most people can't. That's uniqueness, just an example. And are they excited about what's next? Is it a new project? Is it just they love their business and manager and their boss so much they can't wait to come back the next day? When you create that fulfilling uh, experience where you exploit for unique talent and get them excited about what's next, they come back, they're excited, they want to keep working. And the goal is you do not want people working for a paycheck. You want them working for the company. They need to get paid. They need to get paid properly and competitively and maybe well. But if that's the only reason they're working for you, as soon as they can get paid a tiny bit more, they're gone. So figure out a way to keep them there by making them feel fulfilled, exploit their unique talents, and get them excited about what's next. Yeah, it's that's brilliant, Shep. And I just go back to that tipping statement. I don't know whether it's the right or wrong thing necessarily, but the fact that there's no clarity on it, I think, was the thing that I had an issue with because I like to understand how things work so I can make a decision. And if they have a rational reason why that's not appropriate uh, to receive tips, then I, I totally get it. But it because was that's the way it was 40 years ago. Right. right? <laughs> and and they could go, they, they were getting paid $14 an hour or $16 an hour as adults, and they could easily get $10 an hour more at a few other places. So there came a point where it was like, well, I need to survive, you know, I need to pay for my family. So it was a way I thought that I could save that organization a lot of heartache from a recruitment point of view, um, simply by tweaking one or two little things and people could choose to tip and not. And, and that's the thing I love about America is that capitalism, being able to elicit fantastic service by incentivizing it is a really wonderful thing. And for anyone that hasn't traveled outside of the United States, it's a, you know, where tipping's not a culture, you can experience some really horrendous <laughs> service. And I want to know, Shep, what is your worst ever customer experience? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I don't dwell on the bad ones. Um, Mem- most memorable. Uh, you know, gosh, well, I've got so many memorable good ones. I'll tell you a bad one. Um, and and I, I love my airline that I fly on. I happen to catch a gate agent. By the way, no company is perfect. Even Disney has their bad days, the happiest place on earth. And I just love the way people recover from it. So um, I would say I know I'm having a bad experience when I am uh, I lose my temper. Now, I don't lose my temper and start screaming at anybody. I just internally get really irritated, aggravated, angry, pissed off, if you will. So two, two examples I'm going to give you. One is I got to a, a gate. I'm a very high-level flyer on the airline. And I walked up to the gate and I said, I'd like to stand by for this flight. And the person said, our standby list is closed. I said, the plane's not even here. Um, I'd like to stand by. He goes, I'm not going to put any more people on the standby list. I said, sir, I'm, you know, at this level. He goes, well, that would mean you would get to cut in front of everybody. And do you think that's fair? I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I absolutely do think it's fair. And the reason I fly on your airline is this is one of the published perks that you can switch flights and stand by at no charge. And because of your status, you're moved toward the top of the line. And that's what keeps people. And I, and I remember saying, sir, step aside. What do you mean? I said, come over here because I don't want to say what I'm about to say in front of your colleague or any of the other passengers. 
And I let this guy have it. And uh, he wasn't about to put me on that list. And I said, you realize this is the, a perk. He goes, sir, it's not fair. Unbelievable. So I walked away very upset. And then I came back to him and I said, I would like to speak to you a moment. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, regardless of whether I think you owe me an apology or not for the way you handled this situation, I'm going to apologize to you because I seldom lose my temper. And I didn't, again, I didn't scream out. I just gave him the angry voice, you know, <laughs> you know, that voice, the one that my wife and kids hate. So the, uh, and I was very direct and I said, I'm just going to apologize for the way I responded to you, regardless of whether or not I agree or disagree with what you said. I turned around and walked away, got his name and sent in a note to the, uh, to the, uh, to the airline. Uh, one other thing I thought is amazing is that, uh, I have, uh, um, you know, internet's very important to me. And when it goes down, it goes down. And I remember calling up, having to wait an unreasonable amount of time on hold without being told how long the hold would be or an option to call back from a major internet or major company, which that's a very expensive technology. And when I explained my problem, they asked me to get on the computer and open my browser. And I said, did I just not say to you, I have no internet right now? <laughs> and to me, that's not so much a bad, bad experience, but it's a ridiculous experience. <laughs> and sometimes it's like people like, are you thinking, you know, what's going on here? There's a couple of examples. Well, I know there's, there's limitless, wonderful experiences that you've shared in your amazing speaking career. And this shouldn't be glossed over. You are a, an inducted Hall of Fame speakership and you are amongst some seriously prestigious company and I'm honored and privileged to know some of your friends and colleagues and to to get to know you and I know that the work that you do is so important and well, thank and, you. and and, and well it affects people in ways that they'll never realize because of the impact and the, and the knowledge you're able to share with customers at a corporate level and you've worked with some huge names and they are implementing strategies that you are sharing with them and the customers benefiting so we thank you for your service well thank you thank you so, um, I mean, let's give, let's give our audience a few ideas on how they can go out there and get their customers to say, as the title of the book, uh, here it is, I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Get if to you want to say it like Arnold, you need the sunglasses to go with the Terminator <laughs> book. All right. And I've got them here. I've got them. Um, I'll be back. So it, w this, this is an interesting concept. And I think it's important for everybody to know, I, I, all of our businesses that we work with and that we do business with, they want you to come back. I mean, they don't purposely do things to irritate you. Although that one gate agent never, by the way, ever saw that man again, ever. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. And I love the airline, you know, but not everybody's perfect. And it happens. I can tell you a hundred great stories for the once in a while, bad story that you have. That's, that's pretty good. Anyway, I digress. I'll be back was an idea that came as a result of me talking to a, 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 a CEO of a pretty big company. And we talked about how they measure success. Are they using customer satisfaction surveys? Are they using the net promoter score, the likelihood that somebody would recommend, hence promote you to a friend or a colleague? And he says, we do all of that. And we do one other thing that's really important is we don't just track the success that we had for the most recent event, we track what their future behavior is. Interesting. 
So I started to think about this and I realized that anytime you do a survey, the results are a history lesson. Learn from history, respond to it. If you're doing something right, figure out why you're doing it right. And is it something you can do again and again and again? Uh, That just helps make the service consistent. And if it's something that went bad, what can you do to fix it to avoid it happening again, or at least reduce the chances? But then I started thinking a history lesson. But if what you're measuring is behavior, that is, does the customer come back? Great measurement. His company, by the way, uh, he is the head of a large franchisor of hair salons. And my audience was about a thousand managers and owners of hair salons. And they needed to know it's not one. And if you think about it, you and I, we don't go get our haircut very often. We do not. But what's we a haircut? Did, yeah, <laughs> well, there is no hair to cut. And we're bold we, for the listening audience. <laughs> yes. If we did get our haircut, uh, it would be typically uh, the kind of thing we get. Oh, I get my haircut every four weeks. I get my haircut every six weeks. And different people, man, women, long hair, short hair, curly hair, whatever, they're going to come in at a different cadence. Well, when you start to see this customer coming in on whatever that cadence is, and you see that cadence changes, you have to wonder why. So I encourage everybody to take a look at what they call a regular customer and understand why are they coming back? Are they coming back because they're happy? Are they coming back because they want more of what you have to offer? Are they coming back just because you have the lowest price? Very important to know because repeat customers come back for different reasons. If they found a lower price, would they go somewhere else? Are they coming back to you because you're a local retailer and you're more convenient than your competition, but if the competition moved closer, would the customer switch to them? Or do they truly just love you and are coming back because that's that's what they want to do? So I urge everybody to understand the why behind customer behavior and recognize that any metric you have that surveys the past experiences are history lessons to learn from. But take a look at future behavior and watch what's happening. Understand the cadence. Understand what a repeat customer looks like. And then not only try to move that customer toward that cadence, but also understand why they're there. Yeah, it's, it's such a really simple exercise, but I think one most people haven't really thought of. Certainly my experience in asking business owners about how they track a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Why do your customers come back? What makes you different? By the way, that's in the the book, chapter uh, 15, the very last chapter has six steps. And the six steps are to get you to get create that I'll be back experience. And number one is you want to know, why did they come to me instead of my competition? Why are the customers happy with me? Number two, why would a customer not come to me and go to the competition? And are they doing something we're not doing? So number three is to take a look at what that competition is doing and then make it your own. Uh, If you need to copy it, don't do exactly the same. That makes you a commodity, but do something with it. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Years and years ago, some smart person who owned a hotel said, let's give our customers newspapers. When they come down in the morning to get their cup of coffee, we'll give them a free newspaper. Hotel across the street said, do you see what they're doing over there? They're giving away newspapers. We need to do that. And somebody said, well, we could do that, but then we'd be just like them. Why don't we do it differently? Why don't we give away the newspaper, but tell them it's going to be at their door when they open it up in the morning? Ah, that's a great idea. You see what just happened? They made it different. Anyway, step number four is to take a look at other companies outside of your industry and write down all the companies that you love to do business with and important why. What are they doing that makes you love them? And it could be 
the shoe store down the street that you love. It could be a restaurant. It could be a B2B you know, manufacturer you do business with. Doesn't matter. Step five is to say, okay, of the things I love from businesses outside of my industry, can I incorporate that into what I do? And step number six is once you've incorporated you know, your competitive intel into what you do, made it your own, and then brought in some outside of the industry ideas, you go back and ask the same question that you asked at the beginning. Number one, which is, but you just add, now that I've done all this, why would someone want to do business with me instead of the competitors? And there you have a six-step process that really gets you focused on how to get better at what you do so customers want to come back more and more. Amen, Chef. Amen. Some some wise words there. Paid, pay attention, pay heed to what Chef is sharing because this is brilliant. Whether Thank you're you. an entrepreneur or a, uh, the CEO of uh, Amazon, uh, for those that are curious, Monica Garnier put me in touch with her head of marketing and wanted me to facilitate a meeting to discuss uh, what I was sharing in more detail. So there was clearly some interest there, but I'll be pleased to hear any, any comments of people that are shopping at Fry's where they are able now to accept tips for the grocery packers. <laughs> <laughs> Shep, you've got days and months of knowledge, but we've got a time frame here that we need to adhere to because you are a busy man saving corporations from themselves. How can people find you? You just go to hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. Plenty of information there. If you want to look at my YouTube channel, there's over, I think, 800 videos now. Many of them are just short little tips. Everything I think about, I write and eventually put into a video. So uh, whether you buy my books or not, all of that information is available through uh, YouTube. So you go to ShepTV.com. And uh, so that'd be two good places to start. You can find me on LinkedIn, just the usual places. TikTok? You on TikTok? TikTok. I'm starting TikTok. Here's here's my first TikTok. Um, here's my first TikTok. Twenty seconds. Fifty eight percent of customers are willing to pay more if you give them good service. Are you the company that delivers a level of service that makes price less relevant? I hope so. Boom. Fifteen second TikTok. <laughs> I'm going to do that <laughs> one first. That, that, well, tic, tic, TikToks. I don't know. Love it or hate it. It's it's an effective source. So, shape well, today of- for business, especially. If they're going, oh, it's a bunch of kids dancing around. Forget about that. 2007, they said something similar about Facebook. And the next year, you know, half of the adult population was on Facebook and companies were starting to get on and represent their brands. Uh, Dennis Yu, who actually is a wonderful guy who's written another book. It's coming out, I think, uh, probably this month. Uh, it's the TikTok advertising book because now companies are recognizing TikTok's a great place to be seen. So uh, even for B2B, last year, TikTok was ranked number seven in the social channels with people signing up, interacting. Uh, you know what they are this year? They're number one. They beat Google for interaction. Wow. So that tells me. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> and and they're smart. You know, when it, TikTok's a, a very amazing, uh, their, their algorithm, you start to look like Today, I don't know if you know this, I do magic as a hobby, card tricks and, you know, that type of thing. So I happen to be going on TikTok because I'm trying to learn about it. And I, I somehow or another, TikTok served me up a magician. How did it know? I must have watched a magic thing. Well, next thing you know, I'm watching one magic trick after another, after another. They're all short, 20, 30 seconds long. And that's what TikTok does. They understand the customer and they dish out the content 
that the customer wants. If there's a business customer on there and they like to hear about customer service or they want to hear marketing ideas or for you, they want to hear ideas on how to transform your life. If you can come up with these short little TikToks, if you will, and you start to amass an audience, TikTok's going to start serving your content to the people that look, you know, look and act like these others. Uh, beautiful, beautiful opportunity for those right now. I agree. I really do agree. And I, that could easily be your final concluding thought for our audience, but I would like to know what your, what your final so concluding <laughs> what is What is your concluding thought for our audience today, Shep? Well, if, if, if you're, you know, if it has to do with customer service, I would say customer service is not a department. It's a philosophy. It needs to be ingrained in the entire culture. Customer support might be a, a department. But if you think about service, it's the way you interact with others, both your outside customers and your colleagues, who I refer to as internal customers. Manage the experience moment by moment, every interaction that comes your way to make it great. And people walk away and say, that person or that company is amazing. How do you like that? We went full circle. That's one of the first things we talked about. And here we are back at the end talking about being amazing. Well, you are not only you're, you're amazing, you are a magician. Ladies and gentlemen, Shep Iken. <laughs> Thank you. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.